Thanks for listening to the Seeds Church Podcast. If you're in Middle Tennessee, we'd love to have you join us in person for one of our services. Check out SeedsChurchTN.com for times and locations. Now, here's our lead pastor, J.D. Swilly. If you're watching by Facebook, welcome. If you're listening on the podcast or watching on YouTube or on our website, we're so glad that you could join us in this way. We're starting a brand new four-part series today called My Big Fat Mouth. It's gonna hit home with every single one of us. So go ahead and make the decision, make the commitment right now. I'm gonna be here for the next four weeks. Just make the decision. You're already here this week. You're already here, so you're 25% of the way through. Good job. Give yourself a big hand clap. You've, com- you've completed 25% today just by being here. So go ahead and make the decision. I'm going to stay here. Uh, not stay here through, you know, you're watch the Avengers 27,000 times if you just stay here. But you're going to come back for the next four weeks because, like I said, this is a topic that hits home with every single one of us. So let's just start this morning with some admission. So just turn to the person next to you right now and say, I have a big fat mouth. Now, some of you were a little bit louder than others. Some of you refused to do it because you're just like, mm-hmm. but now turn to the other person, your second choice, and say to them, at least I look good though. Now, some of y'all, y'all shouted that one a little bit louder. Listen, the truth is that there is an incredible amount of power in our words. Proverbs chapter 20, oh, excuse me, chapter 18 verse 21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our words have power to give life and our words have power to take life. Hopefully this week, hopefully over the past seven days, you said something to someone that was life to them, something that was encouraging to them, something that was the wisdom that they needed, the laughter that they needed, the love that they needed, hopefully. But maybe it's quite possible that we said some things to people this week also that that hurt people, that let them down, that was maybe like poison to them and not so much life. Maybe it wasn't that, that you said anything untrue, but maybe just what you said was unnecessary. Maybe it wasn't what you said, but maybe it was the way that you said it. That's telling on myself right now. That's one of my problems. But you know, what we're talking about in this series is not behavior modification. It's not, well, I just need to do a better job of controlling my big fat mouth. It's not about just behavior modification. I wish it was just that easy. I wish it was as easy as just recognizing the problem and then just going, oh, well, I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm not gonna use my words in a harmful way anymore, and I'm just gonna speak life into people. I wish it was just that easy, but it's not exactly like, it doesn't work that way. What did we say, do you guys remember, what did we say at the very beginning of the year in our New Year, New You series? We said, if you want to change what you do, then change what you love. If you wanna change what you do, then change what you love. What does that mean? It means it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of what's going on the inside of you. It's not about behavior modification. It's about the position of your heart. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said this in verse 34. He says, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth will speak. So whatever your heart is full of, whatever, it's over, the, the, whatever your heart is full of, and it's gonna overflow out of your mouth, and that's what's gonna come out. So it's, again, it's not about, well, I just gotta control my big fat mouth. No, it's about what's going on in the inside of me. What's going on in the inside of my heart? 
Now to introduce the specific issue of what we're talking about and tackling today, I wanna share with you um, about uh, my family vacation just a couple of months ago. So a few years ago, Jamie and I uh, were sitting around thinking, what are we gonna get our kids for Christmas this year? And we kind of noticed that, you know, our kids, they've got everything they need already. There's nothing our kids need. And, and as a matter of fact, they've got almost all the things that they want. And, and we also noticed this pattern, and you might notice this with your kids too, that you, you give your kids something and they're super excited about it for about five seconds. And then the new wears off and it's just, just not that exciting anymore. And so the light bulb came on and we had this idea. We really felt it was kind of like a God idea for us, for our family. We decided what, instead of spending what we normally do on our immediate family for Christmas, we're gonna take that money and we're gonna put it toward an experience. Not just buying things, not just buying stuff, but we're gonna use that money, those resources toward an experience, making a memory with our family. And, and I tell you what, this past year, God really blessed our socks off big time. And so we were, on Christmas Eve, we were opening gifts and we were able to surprise our kids with the announcement of, guess what guys, this year we're getting to go on a cruise to Cozumel. I mean, that's how much God blessed us. This is a big deal. So we got a picture right there of us right there as our cruise ship. There's Cosmo. There's some weird guy in the background who was in the back of, background of everybody's pictures for like 10 minutes. He wouldn't move. But anyway, it, it, it was awesome. It was a great time. And so just sure enough, a few days later, we drove down to Florida. We boarded the ship. And as you see in this photo, it looks like we're having a great time, right? It looks fantastic. Well, how many of you know that the photos that you see on social media don't tell the whole story? Now, I never got to do anything like this when I was a kid, nothing this extravagant. We didn't, we didn't grow up with these kinds of resources. We didn't grow up going on these kinds of trips. So I just think doing these kinds of things with my kids, my kids ought to feel like stinking kings and queens. They ought to feel privileged. They ought to feel blessed and, and, and a vacation of a lifetime. So day one, we get on the ship, we board the ship and we take off and we're on the, the ship for just a matter of just a few hours. And one of my kids makes a poor decision and they injure themselves kind of moderately. It wasn't a severe injury, but it wasn't a light injury. It was kind of in between. And it was just kind of a downward spiral from there. That, that particular kid was complaining about they had hurt themselves. Oh, my foot hurts. They were complaining they didn't want to go get cleaned up and dressed up and go to dinner in the dining room. They just wanted to wear their shorts and flip-flops and eat dinner in the cafeteria. You know, it, it's too this, it's too that, it's too windy, it's too humid, and just complaining, complaining, complaining. Now, let me, let me tell you, moms and dads, those of us have had kids, those of us that have gone out of our way to bless our kids, right? And all it seems like they can do is complain. What does that do for you? What does that do for the rest of the family? Right? I can just tell you the irritation and aggravation started to creep in on our attitude. So here is my family. We're supposed to be enjoying this amazing blessing that God has given us, this amazing Christmas present of a trip, but one of us is complaining, and now the rest of us is complaining about the complainer. The joy is being sucked right out of all this trip, this experience, 
Now, fortunately, praise the Lord, by day three, we turned a corner, things started to get better, and we enjoyed the rest of the trip. Praise God, wonderful. But, but let me tell you, the first two days of this amazing blessing that God had given to us, it was terrible. It was awful. We, had, we were sticking in Cozumel. Look at the weather there. That, that was actually day three. That's where the tide began to turn, and no, no pun intended. But that's where things started to get better. But the first two days when we were on the ship, man, it was just awful. Why? Because of the complaining. And that's what I want to talk about today is how we complain sometimes with our big, fat mouth. Now, you might think, J.D., really? Does God really care if we complain or not? Is that really a big deal to him or not? Well, I believe it is a thing for him. I believe God does care about our complaining. And I'll give you two really easy reasons. The first one is this. If we look throughout the scriptures, if we look at the character and nature of God as portrayed in the scriptures, and we see the, the instructions that God uh, gives us and he wants to point our heart to, he wants us to live a life of gratitude. He wants to live, uh, us to live a life of thankfulness. It reflects who he is. It reflects all that he does when we live a life of thankfulness, of gratitude. But complaining is the opposite of gratitude. It's the exact opposite of gratitude. All throughout the scriptures, God instructs us. One, one just real quick uh, verse I wanna give to you, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. It's not up on the screen, but it says this. You, you all know it. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything, in everything, give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's God's will for you to live with an attitude of gratitude and complaining is the opposite of that. So the position of my heart, the words out of my mouth ought to be full of gratitude, but when I complain, it shows what's really going on in the inside. So I do think God cares about it. Another reason why I think that God cares about our complaining is this, is that complaining delays God's promises. It doesn't like void God's promises. It doesn't make them kneel. It doesn't make them disappear and go away. It doesn't like, God's not like, oh, taking that away from you now. But it delays it in our life. And it's not God that does it. It's us that does it. And I'll show you this. In, the, in Genesis, in the very first book of the Bible, we see the story about God's people, the Israelites. And Unfortunately, they had been enslaved in Egypt for 430 years. Now, let me just tell you, being a slave and your whole people group being in a, in, a, in a slavery, you know, kind of circumstance for 430 years, I'm sure you can find some things to complain about that are legitimate. But here's what they've done. They've, they've made this their habit. They've made this their life. They've made this the pattern of their thinking is complain, complain, complain. And then what happens? Moses shows up on the scene and then God starts working miracle after miracle after miracle. God, God sends the 10 plagues to Egypt to turn Pharaoh's heart. God opens up the Red Sea so that all the Israelites, they can cross the Red Sea and flee as Pharaoh's army is chasing them. Then God drowns the Pharaoh of army in the Red Sea. I mean, miracle after miracle after miracle. Then they're out in the wilderness. They got nothing to eat or drink. So miraculously, God provides manna and quail for them to eat. And then he makes springs just burst forth out of a group of rocks. 
miracle after miracle after miracle. They're in the desert and what their shoes ought to be wearing out. Their clothes ought to be wearing out, but they don't wear out. Miracle after miracle, but yet what do they do? They complain, complain, complain. I want to show you this here in Exodus chapter 14, verse 11. They said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. God had this amazing plan, this amazing plan for his people to enter into the promised land But because of their whining, because of their complaining, because of their doubt, because of their unbelief, they had the promises of God, some of the promises of God, delayed for them for 40 years. They didn't get to walk in the fullness of God's promise for 40 years. That's a long time. Now, to help us personalize this message today and and take it out of the context of, well, man, those Israelite people, they're stupid. Can't believe they would do that. How many of us do that? Yeah. Well, here, ask yourself the question, what is the thing that I complain about the most? What do I complain about the most? Just be honest with yourself right now. For me, I can think of a few things really easily. Traffic is the thing that, one of the things that I probably complain about the most almost every day, if I'm just being honest with you. I mean, people drive me nuts on the road. I think... I think that everyone, everyone should be, have to be a requirement that you graduate from JD's Institute of Driving. <laughs> Everybody should drive like me. That is JD's Institute of Driving, also known as racing school, because I just like to get to where I'm going, and I like to get there quickly. So it drives me nuts when I'm sitting at a green, green light and the person in front of me is, is just sitting there because they're on their phone. As a matter of fact, uh, our, our friend Luke here was in a, in a pretty bad accident this week because he was stopped on the road because of traffic and someone plowed into him at 50 miles an hour, more than likely because they were on their phone. Thank God he's here with us today and he's A-OK. Praise the Lord, him and his brother. Same thing happened to me a couple of years ago. It drives me nuts. It drives me nuts when people won't turn right on red. I'm like, what are you doing? There's no sign that says you can't do it. Go for it. It drives me nuts when people are driving slow in the fast lane. You know, I love that Eagle song, Life in the Fast Lane. I know that song's about awful things, but I like it when I'm driving. And I don't like it when people are in front of me and I want to go faster. And what am I doing? I'm complaining, complaining, complaining. It's easy to do. What, What is it for you? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe it's your marriage or that you're not married. Some of you are like, well, I'm not married. I just want to be married. All everybody else around me is married. And then you get married and then what do you complain about? You complain about your your husband, your wife, your kids. You're complaining. Uh, You know, maybe it's your schedule. Maybe you're like, well, at this time I've got to be over here and I'm doing this. And then right after that, there's no margin. I just have to be over here and I'm doing that. And then I've got to go over here and do this. And you're just complaining about your schedule. Maybe Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's the weather. Maybe that the Wi-Fi is slow. Maybe it's a, there's nothing to watch on Netflix. Ah. Oh, well, poor you. You know, it can be a big thing. It can be a small thing, but it's easy to complain 
complain, complain. And that become the pattern in our life. And it becomes the attitude and the position of our heart. The real problem, let me tell you, the real problem is not traffic. The real problem is not your spouse. The real problem is not your boss. The real problem is not your job. It's not the weather. It's not Netflix. The real problem is is that we have taken our eyes off the goodness of God. And we've put our eyes on ourselves. We put our eyes on our own situation. We're navel gazing. (laughs) We gotta get our eyes on the goodness of God. Let me tell you this is the problem. This is the, this is the pr- real problem that leads to, to the constant curse of complaining. We take our eyes off the goodness of God and we put our eyes on ourselves. You know, if anyone, and I look through the scriptures, if anyone besides Jesus had the right to complain about their circumstances, I think it would be the apostle Paul. The apostle Paul, he, he's got this, this bucket list, if you will, And the very top of his bucket list is, I want to go to Rome and preach. Why does he want to go to Rome and preach? Because that's the epicenter of of the world at that time. That's the most influential city in the entire world during that era. And And Paul knows if I can go to Rome and if I can influence the leaders to follow Jesus, then man, it's going to change the world. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to be amazing. But that's not what happened. Paul doesn't go to Rome as a preacher. Paul goes to Rome as a prisoner. He's locked up 24 hours a day for about two years. He's chained to a different Roman guard, possibly awaiting his execution. He just doesn't know. His dream was to preach, but now he's a prisoner. Can you imagine the temptation that he probably would have had to complain? God, what's the deal? Why are you allowing this to happen to me? I mean, I've served you, I've been faithful, and then, and then here I am, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beaten, I've been snake bitten, I've been left for dead, and you know what, God? I didn't give up. I followed you through it all. I persevered through it all. God, you know how strategic this city is. God, you know that if we can reach the leaders in Rome, that'll have an exponential impact throughout the world. God, why is this happening? Instead, God, I wanted to preach, but instead, here I am, I'm a prisoner, and the floor is hard, and it stinks, and it's dirty, and the food is bad, and those Roman guards, they don't wear deodorant. It's disgusting. (laughs) Paul has some reasons to complain, but instead of complaining, instead of telling God, God, here's where you went wrong, Paul writes this letter to the church in Philippi. He He writes the Philippian church, and this is what he says here, from prison. Philippians chapter two, do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Do everything, do everything, do everything without complaining and arguing. It sounds a lot like what he wrote to the church in Thessalonica. In everything, give thanks. And he says, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights, in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Man, I like that. In the middle of our culture, where we see all kinds of of crookedness, where we see all kinds of perversion, we can shine like bright lights. And how is that? By doing everything without complaining and without arguing. And again, this is not about, man, I just need to get my big fat mouth under control. This is about an attitude of your heart. This is about what's going on on the inside. 
God's plan for you, whatever it is that you're doing, that you do it without grumbling and complaining. Why is that? Because complaining only begets complaining. That's all it ever does. Complaining doesn't ever really make the situation any better. You sow seeds of complaint. You water those seeds of complaint with more complaint. Guess what kind of harvest you're gonna get? You're gonna get the harvest of more things to complain about. Dr. Travis Bradbury, one of the authors of the book, Emotional Intelligence 2.0, he verifies this this same principle here. He, He says, when you complain, you're training your brain toward negativity. You're training yourself to be negative. And so this is the pattern that you enter into. It's called confirmation bias. In other words, you get what you expect. You predetermine in your mind before you even to walk into a situation, well, this is how it's gonna be. It's gonna suck. It's gonna be awful. And then before you even show up, you walk through the door and sure enough, what you expected comes true because you had this predetermined thing in your mind that it was gonna be negative and it was gonna be things for you to complain about. And you, you got what you had, what you expected. This is the pattern that we see in Genesis with the Israelites. They complained in captivity and then they complained when they were free. They complained when God was doing miracles all around them. Their negative mindset trained them to be complainers. When you go through life having trained yourself to find the bad, you are going to delay God's promises in your life. What I want to do is train myself, to train my heart, to train my thinking, to focus and put my attention on the goodness of God. I don't wanna delay God's promises, I want to expedite God's promises in my life, amen? You know that one of God's great promises to us is his peace. As a matter of fact, in this same letter that Paul is writing in this this Roman prison to the church in Philippians, he talks about this and he talks about how we can expedite God's promise of peace to us instead of delaying it. And this is what he says here, Philippians chapter four, verse four. He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So Paul is like giving you like evangelism strategy right there. He's saying, man, when you are full of the joy of the Lord, when you're considerate in all you do, man, it's evangelism strategy because remember, the Lord is coming soon. And then he says this, don't worry about anything. Again, position of your heart. Where does worry happen? It happens here in your, in your head and in your heart. And Paul's saying, don't worry about it. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Thank him for all he has done. That's putting your attention and your focus on who he is and what he's already done. Then you will experience God's peace. It'll be expedited to you. And it exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And then he wraps it up here and he says, and now dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. 
Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Paul is connecting these dots. The, the, the dot of our access to the promise of God, to the peace of God, is connected to the dot of us putting our focus and our attention on the goodness of God. I believe if Paul were here today, he might say something like this. If you can change your circumstances, then do it. If you can change your circumstances and you have the power to do it, then do it. Do something about it. It's a no-brainer, right? Like, you don't have to pretend like everything's okay if it's not. It's not a sin for us to just, you know, notice that things are out of order, to notice that things aren't right. But we miss it when we step into the, the, the attitude and the pattern of complaining about something but not ever doing anything about it. You, you probably all know the famous quote from Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln said this. He says, we change the world every time we complain on social media about the things that we have no control over. <laughs> Did Abraham Lincoln really say that? No. As a matter of fact, no one has ever said that, but there's sure a lot of us that live like that's true. Paul might say, if you can't change your circumstance, then do something about it. And then he might say this, but if you can't change your circumstance, then change your perspective. That's what he's saying here in this part of Philippians chapter four that we just read. If you can't change your circumstance, then change your perspective. How do you do that? Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now to help me see the situation the exact way that you see it. Help me feel about it the way that you feel about it. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you help me, that you help me see it, you help me feel it, you help me think about it, you help me speak about it, you help me hear it the way that you do. You go to God with it. You surrender yourself to God. You let the Holy Spirit come and give you strength. When Paul, remember, when he's writing this letter to the Philippians, he's writing it from prison. This isn't like the, the country club where Martha Stewart did time. This is like hardcore prison here where he's not sure, he's not sure if he's gonna live. At any moment, they could come and say, today's the day, buddy. It's execution day. His dream is to preach, but now he's in prison. And in the middle of these circumstances that are horrible, how is he able to maintain an attitude of gratitude? How is he able to have a positive outlook? Paul's ability to resist the spirit of complaining and maintain this attitude of gratitude came from him being able to continue to focus on the goodness of God, put his attention on the goodness of God and not on himself. Paul knew this. He knew that I am not the center of my story. Jesus is at the center of my story. And because Paul knew that Jesus was at the center of the story, he could take any circumstance that was difficult and look at it through a different perspective. He's chained up 24-7. A different Roman guard is overseeing him every eight hours. And this is what Paul says, Philippians chapter one. He says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Everyone here, everyone, including all of the palace guards 
They know that I'm in chains because of Christ. God's gonna get glory for this somehow. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here, they've gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. Paul's saying, hey, you think that I'm the prisoner here? Mm -mm -mm. I'm not the prisoner. I'll tell you who the prisoner is. I get fresh meat every eight hours. Every eight hours, I get somebody new to tell the Jesus story to. I'm not the prisoner. What others would see as a dream that is crushed, I've changed my perspective and I'm advancing the gospel. This wasn't my plan. This is not what I would have chosen. I've got plenty to complain about, but because I can't change my circumstances, I'm gonna change my perspective. God is gonna take this crappy situation and flip it for his glory. Maybe you're in a situation right now that you wouldn't choose. Maybe you feel like you're Paul. Maybe you feel like you're chained up. I don't know what that is. For you, it might be a, a relationship of some kind that's gone south. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your financial situation. Maybe it's your relationship with your kids. Maybe it's, I don't know, your health, your physical or mental health. But I wanna tell you this. God still has a plan for you. God still has purpose. God still has an assignment for you. With nothing, God is wasted. With God, everything is impossible. He gives beauty for ashes. He gives joy for mourning. He makes the lame walk. He makes the blind see. If you can't change your circumstance, then change your perspective. Can I get personal with you for a moment? Just tell you what this looks like in my life. Over the last couple of weeks, we've just kind of been hit with one little thing after another. I, I, there's two separate issues going on with my wife's van. God, what, what's the deal with this? Shingles are blowing off my roof from all the high wind that we had a couple of weeks ago. The air conditioning is not working in my house. The, the dishwasher gives up the ghost. One thing after another. And this is just all the things piled on top of all the other plates that we're spending all the time. Like, what a, what's the deal? Where, where am I getting money for all this? Where am I going to get the time to, to give attention to all this? And I'm telling you what, a couple Thursday nights ago, I'm laying in my kitchen floor at about 9.30 at night. This is after I'd been to Lowe's. I'd been to Home Depot. Finally came home with a dishwasher to replace my other one. And I'm laying in the floor there and I'm rigging it all up. And an attitude of, of complaining and, and grumbling and whining starts just trying to creep up on me. But I said, you know what? These circumstances are not gonna rob me of my joy. These circumstances are not gonna take my joy away. If I can't change my, my circumstances, then I'm gonna change my perspective. And you know what I started doing? I just thanking God right there. God, I just thank you that I even have a dishwasher. It broke, but God, I thank you that I had one. God, I had an air conditioning that worked and it broke, but it's the God, I thank you that I had an air conditioning. God, I thank you that I have a roof over my head, that there's even shingles there to blow off. God, I thank you that there's a van to even break down. God, I just thank you. And I know that you're gonna take all these things, God, and you're gonna flip it and it's gonna be okay. And I just give you thanks. I thank you for it all right now. If you can't change your circumstance, change your perspective. Maybe, again, like you, like you said, maybe you feel like Paul, maybe you feel like you're chained up. If you can do something about it, 
do it and do it without complaining. But if you've done everything that you've known to do, if you can't change your circumstances, then change your perspective. How do you do it? You recognize that you're not the center of the story. You recognize that Jesus is at the center. And when you recognize that Jesus is the center of your story, it changes the way that your story is told. When you realize that Jesus is at the center of your story, you can go through the toughest of times. You can endure anything. When you realize that Jesus is at the center of your story, you can find the light in the darkest of night. How do you do it? You change your confession. You use that big fat mouth of yours to start coming into agreement with God's truth of your life. You say, well, I'm forgiven. I'm healed. I'm set free. I'm not slave to the kingdom of darkness. I've been transferred to the kingdom of light and to the, the kingdom of God's dear son of whom he loves. I'm crowned with the father's love and mercy. I'm not cursed. I'm blessed. I'm the head, not the tail. You change your confession. You change your confession, your heart will follow. How do you do this? You pray. You pray and you ask Holy Spirit for help. Holy Spirit, again, help me see this the way that you see it. Help me think about it the way you think about it. Help me feel about it the way you feel. Help me hear how you hear. Help me speak how you speak. So when it's time to pray, pray. How do you do it? Praise and worship, giving honor and glory to God. And when I say praise and worship, this time I'm really talking about music. I'm talking about when we're here in the assembly, when we're in the gathering and we're singing, then sing out because what does this do? It takes your attention off of yourself. It puts your focus and your attention on the goodness of God. So when it's time to sing, sing. And you guess what? You don't have to wait till it's Sunday. You don't have to wait till the prayer and worship gathering on Wednesday. You can do it in your car. You can crank it up. You can do it on your phone or on, on Spotify or YouTube and get your praise on. It takes your focus off of you and your circumstance. It puts your focus on the goodness of God. Let's do this. Let's just stand up right now together and let's pray. Let's lean into this moment. Heavenly Father, right now, we just want to focus our attention on you and your goodness. We, God, we, earlier we started with the question that said, what do I complain about the most? God, well, we're putting that off to the side now. We're throwing that behind us and we're changing our focus and our attention on your goodness. You are creator. You are redeemer. You are healer. You are provider. You're so much more than that, God. You're bigger than any problem we, that we face, but God, you're not too big to, to pay attention to any problem that we face. I ask you right now to send supernatural strength and power to every single person here that needs it today. God, if we're complaining and we can do something about it, we just ask you to help us do something about it without complaining. But God, if, if there's circumstances in our lives that are out of our control, if there's circumstances in our lives that are awry, if they're not right and we can't do anything about it, then help us not complain, but help us change our perspective. Help us keep focused on you. For those of us that complaining 
that's been such a pattern in our lives for, for years, for decades. For those of us that the complaining has just ingrained itself and just to the, the very fabric of who we are, God, we ask for your supernatural power to remove it and replace it. Replace it with an attitude of gratitude. In any moment that we're tempted to complain, Holy Spirit, we invite you to arrest our hearts and help us. Give us your power, your strength, your thoughts, your feelings. We ask you, God, I ask you, God, to even send the right people our way. Give us friendships, God. Give us relationships, God, that will not tolerate our complaining, that will not come into agreement with our complaining. But God, give us friends that will encourage us to put our focus and our attention on you. Right now, we'll just make this declaration. We come out of agreement with any lie that says, well, you're, you're never going to be able to change. That's just who you are. You, your mama was a complainer. Your grandmama was a complainer. You're just going to be a complainer. That's just who you are. We break that lie. We come out of agreement with that in the name of Jesus. We say no to that. That is not who we are. We're not complainers. That's not part of my spiritual DNA. And we come into agreement right now with God's truth that says life is going to come out of my mouth. Grace is going to come out of my mouth. The words of my mouth are going to be trees of life. Edifying things are going to come out of my mouth. God, not only will I know the right words to say, but I'll know the right way to say them by the power of your spirit, by me surrendering to your leadership. That's our confession. That's the truth that we come into agreement with right now in Jesus' name. Now, you might be here today and you're just, you're just kind of you've been a fly on the wall. Maybe you're here and you're, you feel like an outsider. You've come to church. Maybe this is your first time. Maybe you grew up in church, but you haven't been here for a while. But you'd say, man, I, I don't, don't have a relationship with God. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. My life isn't surrendered to Jesus. You can do that today. I want to give you that opportunity today. And we're going to pray a prayer together called the Believer's Prayer. And in just a moment, when we dismiss, my friends on the prayer team are going to be along this wall. And I'd love for you to come down and meet them and just simply say, hey, I prayed that prayer with JD. And they would like to get to know you and help you take the next step that you need to take. And actually, the next step that you need to take is baptism. But we'll talk about that here in a second. But let's pray this right now. Everybody just repeat this after me. Everybody just say, Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Save me, forgive me of my, all my sins. Make me new, fill me with your spirit so I know you, so I serve you, so I follow you the rest of my life. My life is not my own. I give it to you. Thank you for new life. You now have my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Stay connected with us at SeedsChurchTN.com and on social media. Our mission at Seeds Church is to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what He called them to do. One of the easiest ways you can help us accomplish our mission is by simply sharing this podcast. You can do so by subscribing 
leaving a review on iTunes, or sharing it with your friends on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope to see you soon.